Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episode 29 of season 4 and episode 31 of Dobutsu Sentai Zyojir. recording and talk about star trek i already have so <laughs> i um there was a two-part episode that I was watching uh, did you say star trek yeah star trek no star trek no it's her trek there's an e in it you don't know what you're trek. talking about uh there was a two-part episode where um okay so they're going they're going to Teleport down to San Francisco, which is where Starfleet head <clears throat> Starfleet headquarters is. There's some sort of oh, so event this happening is there. Star Trek Four, then. What? You've moved. You've moved on to the movies. I don't know what you're talking. Where they about. go? They go to San Francisco with the whales. Like they got to get the whales, right. so then they go like forward in time or something. There was something about the whales and time travel. Okay, well, this involves time travel, but there's nothing about whales. I think you're confused. Um, mm. But they are going to go down there, and then, oh no, nobody can find them. Commander Sisko has vanished, and also Bashir. Nobody actually cares about that. Nobody likes Bashir. Uh, and uh, Jadzia, Jadzia Dax, who everybody likes Jadzia Dax, so that's also a loss. Bashir, who cares? Anyway, they're investigating this, and... Uh, engineer Miles O'Brien is like, hmm, well, our ship has a lot of chronometers uh, in the hull that have caused interference. Also, there was a surge of temporal energy when they beamed down. Hmm. I don't know what happened here. I love temporal energy. Yeah, yeah, nice. Temporal shrimp. Yeah. So anyway, they end up uh, in the past, but was what like it's twenty twenty four, I think. Uh, and immediately they are accosted by Mister Futterman from the Gremlins, <laughs> Dick Miller himself. Hey, look, Dick Miller needs to get some work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's got bills to pay. He's got mouths to feed. Look, Dick Miller is always a delight whenever he appears in anything. Yeah, I'm always glad to see Dick. Okay, so they are in a sanctuary. Or no, they're they're not in sanctuary yet, but they don't have any ID badges, which I guess is necessary at that time. So they are thrown into sanctuary, which is basically like a walled section of the city. Okay, it's like Arkham City, basically. Okay. Uh, they throw all the homeless people in there and just let them duke it out or whatever. Or or your escape from New York. Yeah, sure. Or like an, not... or like an escape from LA. Maybe more accurate, closer to San Francisco. 
it, well, it's not like a mega prison. It's just like a place mm. where they can like keep them out of sight, basically. Uh, well, I mean under... that that's more Escape from L.A. because that was just they sent the their undesirables. Yeah. It wasn't just prisoners. It was just like, oh, you're Steve Buscemi. We can't let you run around in society. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, well, I mean, no. Clint Howard is in Sanctuary, so there's your Steve Buscemi equivalent for 1994. <laughs> um, TV's Steve Buscemi, some would describe him as. Yeah. Uh, the American <laughs> Martin Freeman, some people have described him as. Uh, anyway, so Cisco and Bashir end up in Sanctuary. Jadzia does not. She ends up talking to some weirdo dude who looks like Rick Astley made by, or like, I described him online as Judge Reinhold as created by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Uh, he is a horrible-looking person, and I was sure that he was up to something evil, and it turns out, no, he's he's fine. He just looks and speaks cr- as creepily as possible for somebody who is up to absolutely nothing. Mm. Because he's always like, oh yeah, just come in here, look, I'll give you a place to stay. We'll find your friends. I'll do everything I can to find them. It's like, yeah, yeah. He he gave her a place to stay, and he helped her find her friends and helps them get out. Is he just saying all this while like stroking her face or something? Kind of. Oh, with, with his eyeballs. Oh, oh no. There's there's a really great part. Of, okay, so Jadzia is a trill, and she has like these dot things, like a. Thing, I don't think you can use like, that word. They're going like on the side of her head And the guy's like Oh those are great tattoos Where did you get those done Japan I had a full sleeve Maori tribal tattoo uh, (laughs) And I had to remove it Because Business (laughs) And I love that this dude Just immediately admits to having A tribal sleeve (laughs) Hey look man 2024 Was a different time Yeah definitely Okay, so they go to uh, the sanctuary and they realize they. Uh, Cisco looks at the date and he's like, "Oh no, this is the week before there are gonna be massive riots where hundreds of people die." But uh, be- sanctuary uh, cities, am I right? Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, he, but as a result of this, it will end sanctuary and these people will like become citizens again, basically, and. So uh, it's a good Yes, and because eventually it kind of leads to Starfleet Because as we find out from the people in the future uh, Once the timeline starts getting messed up Starfleet just disappears mm. uh, And things are way worse So that kind of doesn't matter Because we see maybe two minutes total Of the people in the present quote. Uh, and by the way, okay So you know how in Avengers Endgame there's uh, the thing where it's like, all right, we only have enough PIM particles for this run, like one test run, and then this is it. Yeah. They have a similar moment in this, but it's like, all right, we only have enough energy to get maybe five or six attempts at this. <laughs> oh, well, that seems like a really generous amount. It does. It's like this. So, how do they keep fucking it up? Like, because well, it has to, like, get tense, right? Because they Like, don't... at some point, they gotta be like, we're down to the last bit of energy. Uh, yes, eventually. 
But at that point, it's like, well, we have like three options left we can pick from. And he's just like, okay, this one, I guess. And they got the right Let's one. Let's do the two bad options first. Yeah. But uh, it has this bit where, okay, they keep beaming down to basically the same place in different times. And so there's one bit where they go down. It's like the 1950s, and there's a flapper there. Uh, and it, it's actually a good bit because uh, Major Kira goes with him. She's Bajoran, so she has like a, these nose ridges, and she just like slaps a Band-Aid over her nose. And so these <laughs> flappers come up to them, and she's just like, "I broke my nose," and then they just look at her and leave, and then they beam out again. So. <laughs> And then there's a bit where it's like, oh, now it's the 60s, and there's this van with flowers painted on it, and some hippies come out, and they give Kira and O'Brien flowers and make peace signs at them, and Kira and O'Brien peace back. But they are, basically, they're um, set to automatically beam back after, like, a minute, just so nothing happens. Uh, And so while they are giving a peace sign, they beam up, and the hippies do the whole, like, Whoa thing because it was a 90s television show. So yeah. the point is all these uh okay, so there's also this hobo guy uh in Sanctuary who looks like Kid Rock and he keeps... Well, again, it's 2024. I mean, there's no way for us to be sure, but uh, well, we do know that no one is more authentic than Kid Rock. That's for yeah. sure. And the homeless are extremely authentic. I mean, no yeah. one lives as honestly as a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, riding the rails. So <laughs> sure, it, Kid <laughs> Rock packed up his golf clubs, picked up a bindle stick. Yep, just he's hit the rails. Off. Kid Rock's yeah. going to find the uh, Kid Rock Candy Mountain. Heading on out to San Francisco. That's right. Uh, so he keeps like they just keep running into him, and he's antagonizing them. Uh. And then at one point Bashir is just like standing around He's dressed like old Ben Kenobi For some reason Like he has a brown <laughs> cloak and a hood on And everything And this guy just comes up and starts Like taunting him And gets in a fight with him with his cronies And then this guy like sort of gets in the middle of it And gets stabbed And it turns out he's the guy that was supposed to like save everybody That he would be the one who uh, <laughs> Basically saves these hostages And he's like the whole reason Everything gets fixed So They get into this whole situation with hostages And uh, Cisco Like assumes that guy's identity And the thing is He's supposed to die Like the, that's oh. the whole thing is he dies a hero And that's what inspires everybody Uh well, rest in peace, Cisco. Well, no. So, uh, Mr. Futterman is part of these hostages, and basically, they hold the hostages for a while, and then the governor's like, "No, nah, we're just going to go in and shoot everybody because we've heard rumors that the hostages are dead." Which, for one thing, really good operating procedure here. Uh, somebody told you that you had a boyfriend. Look like a girlfriend that I in February of last year. <laughs> but someone told you that the hostages were dead, so we'll just go in and shoot everybody. How close did this take place to Waco? Oh, that's a good question. 
Because I wonder if this is like a, a bit, like this little bit is some sort of like period appropriate commentary on Waco. It probably was. There was a whole lot of political stuff in this episode in particular. But here's the thing. Yeah. So they go. I mean, in... I think The Simpsons did a bit about Waco. So yeah, it was probably pretty close. I, hmm. I if it wasn't right before this, then it had to have been. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Hmm. Anyway, they come in and they start shooting everybody. Uh, but they get the hostages out, and one of them is about to shoot Mister Futterman, and Cisco like jumps in the way and kind of like gets winged or something. And uh, Mister Futterman tells him, "Hey, why are you doing? Where are the hostages? We're alive!" And uh, so because of this, they call off the attack, and Mister Futterman is like. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell him you're dead. So, you get out of here. And so, everything was fine. Except Mr. then... Mr. Futterman they, covering for everybody. They get back to the ship. And b- back to the uh, current time. And Cisco is looking at a history log. And it shows his face as the dude that like stopped <laughs> the riots and everything. Or stopped, saved the hostages. He's like... Mm, this is going to be difficult to explain to Starfleet Command. <laughs> and that's the end. He messed up the timeline. Can, you, can it, you answer a few questions for us? It doesn't matter. He, he totally messed things up. Bootstrap paradoxes do not exist in Star Trek, I guess. It's fine. Oh, by the way, also, Jadzia crawled through the sewer and found them, and like Kira and O'Brien just figured out the right place to drop and got him out. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, nobody's worse for the wear at that point. The timeline's fucked, but I mean... Yeah, well, it just means that Cisco's a hero now, as he should be. Sure. Look, we don't need to put much stock into who got Butterfly affected out of existence from Cisco fucking with the timeline. No. It's all right. Technically, they don't exist anymore. No. Or, like, they exist in a worse state... Some of them might be better off. I don't know. Who's to say? Just don't don't read into it. Cisco does not want you to read into it. There's really good, uh, like, an excuse for why they aren't affected by this timeline stuff, too. Because he's like, hmm, I guess the uh, chronometers in our hull have basically shielded us from the ripple effects of this time <laughs> or whatever. It's like, come on, that dude. That layered tinfoil in the walls has protected us from That's- that's right. Time you, space fuckery. You should start watching Deep Space Nine. I, if you wanted, I, I would give you a list of like what episodes to watch. I think you should do that. I've been looking for something to watch. Um, oh, I've also, been watching. A by lot the way, of... here, here's the great thing: at the very beginning of this episode, as they're about to go down to Starfleet Command, uh, there's like a quick cameo appearance from Quark, everyone's favorite Ferengi, uh, who is like. Hey Cisco, Grand Nagus wanted me to let you know Grand Nagus is his boss, by the way He's like the leader okay. of the Ferengi He's like uh, He wants me to tell you That his nephew was locked up on a bogus charge Wink And you need to get him out And Cisco's like Hmm, well I do owe him a favor And he start, they Like Cisco has been learning the rules of acquisition Which are the things the Ferengi use Because they're all about business And profit and whatever and yeah. like the rule of acquisition he quotes him is uh treat people who are in debt like your family exploit them 
<laughs> which I enjoyed. Uh, anyway, this has absolutely no bearing on anything else. It does not come up again. It's just there at the beginning, so everyone can have a little bit of Quark. There's Quark's quick D plot. Yep. Thanks, Quark. Slides in and out of there. Thanks, Quark. Uh, no, I've I've been looking for some more stuff to uh, watch at work uh, in between doing actual work stuff, uh, which counts for roughly 30% of my job. Uh -huh. um, Same. I've been looking up a lot of footage of, of old games and just people explaining uh, very dryly about various outputs and displays and Mr. and Mega SG. I'm wondering if you've ever seen any footage of Outrun on the Amiga. No, but I bet it looks terrible. So, yes, but they made the extreme, extremely bizarre choice to... So this, this version of it opens up with, like, a preamble by, by an actual person talking. What? This just has, like, an audio file of a dude introducing Outrun on the title screen of Outrun. Hi, I'm you, Suzuki. Welcome to my game. No, no, that would be much less terrifying than it actually is, because he introduces it like it's a horror game. <laughs> like, he's just like, Sega presents. <laughs> and then there's, like, this music that's just like, it's like music you would hear while someone is getting stabbed to death in a horror movie. It is yeah, extremely sure. intense, and the whole time it's just the normal like outrun starting screen of just like the cr the crowd gathered around the bright red car, and right. it's just the sunny beach with a bunch of palm trees. <laughs> okay. And this this plays for like thirty seconds of the song, and then he just goes like, "Outrun." So it's like <laughs> it's just Resident like... Evil. Yes. Right. Yes. And then it's just, like, another 20 seconds of, like, car revving sounds and, like, brakes screeching before you can actually start the damn game. And then you played, and it's just the regular-ass outrun music. <laughs> like, they didn't change any of the rest of the music of the game. Cool. <laughs> well, welcome to everybody's favorite Star Trek and outrun podcast, uh, Stand and Deliver. I'm Larry Davis, with me is George Brundle. That's a little bit of what you can look forward to once we're finally free from the horrible <laughs> clutches of Hirohiko Araki and his show, which apparently will never end. Uh, Those long spindly fingers that are just like... Me slid into my ear canal and have penetrated my brain at this point. I mean, if Almost you get rid of them. Almost 150 episodes of JoJo's. Yeah. By the way. Y yeah. All you gotta yeah. do to get rid of him is, uh, like, show him a glass of water and he'll get afraid that he's gonna drown. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna say here, though, I will send you the link to a, uh, long play of Amiga's Outrun, so you can just, like, Please just take that second, like that that portion of the audio and play it in the podcast, because I need people to experience what I experienced. You got it, dude. U.S. Gold present from Sega.
Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, unlike last week, I think I'm feeling very positive about both episodes of the things that we watched. Yeah. Like, I, this was a pretty good JoJo's, even though it's like another sort of setup episode, but there's like a lot of stuff that I liked about it. And Yeah, I, I'm a little bit wary that we had all of this, and then it, the next episode is a part one. <laughs> yeah. But it is two guys, so, eh. Yeah. I, to be fair, kind of getting ahead of ourselves, I sort of looked at Green Day's stuff and thought, like, I don't know how you stretch this out into two episodes, because it already seems like they mostly got this figured out. I'm sure there's twists and turns in it. Uh, but we actually don't know what Oasis's power is, other than he also has, like, a kind of cool bodysuit thing going on, sort of like White Album. Sure. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of get the feeling that even though, like, Chocoletto is supposed to be, like, the main guy, the head Chocolat. person of this duo. Yeah, he's, he's the Joe Pesci between the two of them. He's the Harry. Yeah, okay. Oasis is the Marv, but you and I both know phys physicality taken into consideration, Marv is the real threat. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's why he has to be uh, incapacitated with a spider. <laughs> that's right, or bricks dropped on him repeatedly. Yeah, or being electrocuted by a dishwasher, turned into a skeleton, or having a nail go directly through his foot. Yep, or being hit in the face by a paint can. Yeah, well, I mean they did that to Harry too. So well, yes, but. Or having his nose broken by a entire full uh, tool cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Home Alone's good. Yeah, hi, welcome to our Home Alone podcast. Yep, here we are. I'm George. I'm Larry. Uh, Alright, let's start off. First five minutes of Home Alone. <laughs> uh, so, the so way this episode... episode... about angels with filthy souls. Oh god, can we actually do that? No. <laughs> Damn it. Look, depending on if we get uh, another special program, who knows what we're going to end up with. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'd, gi I'd give it like five episodes and we totally do. Probably. Yeah, so I actually do kind of think we might, like right before we get the actual finale to this thing, just to sort of recap all the insanity that's happened up to this point, but... Possibly, and also in that case, I'm gonna say uh, There are some X-Files and Star Trek episodes I've seen That I think would be pretty good for this God damn it <laughs> Look, I don't know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it Alright, welcome Although to Stand coming. and Deliver This this was a JoJo's podcast once At one time, now it's all about Kingdom Hearts yeah. Yep, I'm okay with that Uh so they've basically uh, cracked off the section of that um, that little statue that had the boss's face on it, and it's all squishy now. They basically got themselves like a like a pillow of the boss's face. Uh huh. And they've also taken uh, fingerprints. I, I think it was they said like off the negatives of the pictures that were taken of uh, Trisha's mom. And they're they're running this in a crime database to sort of match it to a face, but it comes up with like absolutely nothing. Crime pewter. Yeah. Then the JoJo boys don't get hacked. 
Oh no. Who could this right. be? Uh, crash override. Oh, great. Hack the planet. AKA, AKA Jean Pierre Ponoreff. What? You're not supposed to spoil it. <laughs> Too late. Come on. This show, this show fucking spoils it. Like, straight up. There's, uh, yeah. a, there's a bit in this where they kind of ruin it. Like, if you logic your way through it, it is not that hard. Yeah. So, th- they get hacked, uh, and a mysterious voice, we don't know who, comes through the computer and tries to convince them that uh, they're an ally. Uh, the the gang needs to not focus so much on discovering Diavolo's identity. By the way, this is the first time we get his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they already know who he is. That's right. What they need. Yeah. I mean, fair point. I actually kind of think them thinking they're going to pull this guy's face up in a crime database is dumb. Like, of course they're not going to. Yeah. Uh, but it, he brings up a very good point of like, you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. What you really need to focus on is how you're going to beat his stand. Cause you've gotten your ass kicked by it. Like every single time. That's right. According to our boy Polnareff, uh, King Crimson is invincible. Yep. Which I don't think's the case. Nope. Speaking yeah, of spoiling he... things, by the way, here he also brings up something else in a bit that is spoiled in the opening credits, which has bothered me since we got this new opening. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he he says uh, basically that King Crimson allows him to skip through time so again we're just sort of muddying what the actual power is because that just added another layer of confusion for me yep. so far has been that he can erase it not that he can just like jump past it so i whatever uh but he's uh he convinces him that he's an ally uh by describing diabolo's power basically and they, they go with it and um meanwhile off to the side, which by uh, the way, Dopio. not not a great yeah. reason to trust him. No, like any other people who are like close to the boss would also probably know what his power is. I mean, I so I can kind of get it. Like Trish sort of points out, just like look, no one, regardless of how close they are to the boss, is going to know what the boss's power is because that's just the boss's personality. So yeah, if somebody knows what his power is, they would have to be an enemy. Yeah, and he like, would probably like kill anybody who found out. So absolutely yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the boss, we we cut over to Dapio. He's on the beach. He hears he hears a telephone ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Runs up to a bunch of girls. Uh, little girls is just like, what the fuck are you doing with my telephone? <laughs> Grabs one of their ice cream cones out of their hand, just mushes it up against his cheek. Mushy, mushy. Dapio's the best. Yeah, yeah. D- Dapio's good. Mushy, mushy, Dapio here. Okay, <sighs> uh, there's a bit where there's just like ice cream like dripping onto the sand, and it's a very dramatic shot, and it just pans back. <laughs> Got this melting ice cream against his face. It's so good. I don't even remember. Oh right, uh, boss is telling him like, no, they got out of there like with a purpose. Like they weren't fleeing. Yeah. They were just like, no, they they know where they're going, which is very presumptive because they don't actually. Yeah. But... Uh, they, all they know is they're going to Rome. 
to meet uh this mysterious benefactor of theirs. Now, but he was talking about yeah. like before when they got out with the statue. Yeah, that's true. Um and by uh, the way, I, well I they see them, they mention... see them on the boat. Yeah. He's just like, see all those guys we need to kill, they're out there on a boat. Right. You should but, follow them. But I think that's before they're talking to Polnareff on the computer. Uh, or, or maybe I took it as this actually happening in sequence. So they they talk to him. They realize they need to go to Rome, and they are heading out to Rome on the boat right now. No, well, maybe. But it seems to me like he would have just like run up and killed them or something earlier. Okay, so uh, I had forgotten to mention like a few episodes ago. You'd mentioned the uh, the area was spelled differently on the map. Did I ever like say why that is? Uh no, I don't think he did. Because I didn't think of it at the time, but I'm pretty sure that's just because it's like um like how Florence is Firenze in Italian, and so Sardinia would be spelled differently because it's in Italian on their map. Just yeah, like how it like says Roma instead of Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Roma Roma. Like that. That's how they say it. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, how it's pronounced gabagoo, not gabagool. It's... That's how you type it out. That's how you write it. That's not how you say it. Nope. <laughs> I am tired oh, come of this on. bit. <laughs> yeah, me too. I refuse to engage with it. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. Uh, so... The boss uh, basically is giving orders to Dapio to follow them. Uh, he says that he needs to get to Rome. Uh, by the way, uh, Dapio, I'm sending a couple of real motherfuckers out there. Boss uh, hates just, them. Oh, they're the worst, uh, but everybody else is dead. So, Chocolata and Seco. Seco. Really need to get you need to get to Rome, dude. Going Seco mode. Yeah. So I can't remember. Uh, does he explain what the deal is with the two of them now, or is it in the conversation on the plane? I don't remember. I think it's during the. I think that's the plane bit. I think it's on the plane because he was on the phone for a while during. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, so we like then that, cut back I into think... the turtle. I think the bit on the plane is the best phone bit apart from the it, first frog. Yeah. yeah, it it absolutely is. Uh, we cut back to the Butcherati gang, and we actually get a very, very important info dump on basically what the deal actually is with the stand arrows. Yeah, th- this comes uh, after Araki had watched The Thing. Um, <laughs> That's right. Or possibly uh, an early episode of The X-Files. In fact, I think the timing of that would work out. Now that I think about it, yeah, maybe didn't we say that there was something else that seemed like it came out of the X Files in one of these like part five episodes? Probably, but there's specifically an episode that itself is kind of based on the thing, but it's specifically about a virus that came down on a meteorite in the Arctic. So, yeah, um, but but yeah, so in in Greenland there is a meteor that was uncovered in 1987, uh, which is. I think the same year that part three takes place. Right? Uh no, part three. Was that like uh, yeah, yes. I think so. 
Okay. But the point point is, they, they find it, like you say, the people who are exposed to this meteorite that's uncovered end up contracting this virus, except for one person who develops uh, strange, like, electricity powers. He just shoots lightning out of his hands, uh, like Emperor Palpatine, and burns one of the doctor's fingers off. Well, he also um, died, though, is the thing. Yeah, he he's still totally done. Uh, but... Aside from that, even even further into the past, somebody uh, coveted this meteorite and they made a bunch of arrows out of it. And basically what the deal with the stand arrows is, is when you are hit with one, you are infected with this virus. And if you are able to overcome the virus, you develop a stand. This seems like something Iraqi made up just now. Absolutely, because uh, the way that stand arrows worked in the past was if you got shot with a stand arrow and you just survived getting murdered from arrow, then you got a stand power. Uh, we established this because we had like a whole episode where Koichi had an arrow chutting out of his neck, and that absolutely is the part that would kill you. Also, um, the guys that did get killed by the stand arrows, like uh, the janitor, did not like bubble up. Like like they do from the virus that's shown here. Yeah, yeah, it, it does not at all look consistent. Or the so... the, the other guy uh, that um, uh, what was his name? Angelo shot with the arrow. Yeah, in the jail. I mean, well, he survived, but yeah, we also don't see him like puss up and get a bunch of boils. Wait, the other guy survived. Oh, I'm I'm taking that as Angelo got hit with. No, I thought didn't I? Oh, right, it it was uh the other Nijimura brother who shot Angelo yeah, in the jail. Shot okay. The only time we've actually seen somebody die from a stand arrow was the janitor Luigi, at the yeah. start of this, uh, season. So, um, okay. I mean, it, it's a cool concept. I like it. It's very obvious that he just came up with it. <laughs> yeah. But it's neat. I it had to have been. He saw the thing or an X Files episode. He wanted to incorporate it immediately, and that was the only idea that he had. Probably. Yeah. But uh, hacker guy, uh, crash override is just like okay. We need to. Um, we Hero basically there's there's this other thing with the stand arrow that is the key to defeating Diavolo, and I will not reveal that to you unless you come to meet me in Rome. Well, he kind of says, like, it doesn't just create stands, it also has hidden wisdom. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with Jorno stabbing himself with the uh, stand <laughs> arrow, because that's been in the intro for a while now, and yeah, I've kind of wondered what it meant. I wonder. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, he also... Maybe he... that would have some effect on your stand. Yeah, Maybe. Makes it, like, turn into Super Saiyan 2 or something, like an Ascended Stand? Oh, sure. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, who can uh, say? I honestly don't know. All oh. I know is that he stabbed himself with the Stand Arrow, and it's very clear from what the computer man, who we don't know the identity of yet, uh, is telling Jorno, well, and Bucherati and everybody, like, hey, only only one of you can learn the truth about the stand arrow. It needs to just be one of you who comes and meets me. And Jorno is ostensibly the the main hero of this arc, so I have a feeling it's going to be him, and the intro is telling me he's going to stab himself with the arrow. 
Yep. Uh, by the way, the, the reason why I'm pretty sure that this is Polnareff is because when he is describing the stand arrows, we get silhouettes of all the Stardust Crusaders and, like, the battle theme from Part 3 starts playing. And so, like, you could have showed any stand users there. Like, that could have been people who were stabbed with the arrow in Part 5. Because none of the Part 3 characters were stabbed with an arrow. No. Like, none of the Stardust Crusaders. You could have done it with part four characters. You could have done it with part five characters, but why would you do part three characters unless the person talking is a member of the Stardust Crusader? Uh-huh. And I don't think it's Jotaro, because that's not Jotaro's voice actor's voice. He has way too much emotion. Yeah. It couldn't be Joseph, because he's shitting in a diaper somewhere at this point. And everyone else is dead. So the only person who could possibly be is Polnareff. Yep. So I wonder if that's in the manga or if this is some shit that is like the whole Doppio Diavolo thing where the anime played its hand way too early. I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like that probably is that way in the manga. Because I... Araki's not great at keeping secrets in general. So Sure. I disagree, though. I actually think that this might be something for the anime specifically. Okay. And, and like, at least with, like, with Doppio, they are extremely upfront about what's going on. With this one, it's a little more vague, but honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot to sort of sit down and logic your way through. Yeah. Process of elimination, half those fuckers are dead. Uh, well, skipping ahead to manga anime differences, it says the scene <laughs> presenting the arrow and the origin of the stands is more elaborate. Doesn't say about that scene specifically. Hmm. I don't know. I actually, I, I might go find some scans of the manga when this is done and, and find out, because I am very curious. Uh, but then we uh, we go back to Dapio. Uh, he's on a plane. He has an actual phone this time. That's right. This is a really good fake out, because I traveled on planes a lot uh, in the 90s. My parents were divorced. Um, joint custody by law. I had to go see my dad every summer, and I remember there being uh, phones on the plane. I called my, I called my mom. Yeah, my mom's on the phone. They're playing cool. phones. Yeah, it was neat. It costs it like thing. eighty dollars so that... a minute or something. Yep. Mom was not happy when she learned that I was calling <laughs> her on the play phone. Hey, mom, guess where I am? I'm up on a plane. Oh, you little motherfucker! <laughs> uh. Is that why you have a fear of flying now? There's lots of reasons why I have a fear of flying. I One time, I'd, I was really young, and I went to use the bathroom in the airplane, and I didn't, like, the door didn't lock, and it swung <laughs> open, everybody saw my bare ass. <laughs> this is new information to me. How have you never told me this before? I don't know, I don't really talk about my experiences on planes that much. I mean, this is a good time to get it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there was a time I almost, like, died on a plane, because it actually started to, like, go into a dive. Ah, that's not uh, which actually, Which actually is probably the reason why I'm afraid of planes. It, it was like the plane tilted up out of the blue, and then it was, like, going down the first dive of a roller coaster. Like, the, the plane shifted hard downwards. Ooh. Uh 
Yeah, I have no idea why that happened. If it was there was some sort of like wind thing going on, or if they realized that they needed to like quickly change course or something like that. Like, I don't know if there was an oncoming like. I don't fucking know. Did you it was fucking message, terrifying. Do you get any message from the pilot who's like, ah, well, uh, we just had a little oh. descent there. Nothing to worry about. Like nope, they, uh, they actually never came onto the intercom ever again for the rest of the flight. <laughs> they were afraid to. Like, I, I don't I don't think they even came on when we were actually beginning our descent. Like, I don't recall them ever coming back on. Maybe the pilot passed out. I don't know. Uh, if anyone has knowledge of a flight from Newark to, I think it was Indiana? <laughs> like, ten years ago, where it, like, nearly fucking crashed, I guess, let me know. Okay, great. Send in that, leave it in the comments section. Or don't. I don't care. Yeah, actually, please don't, because I don't care either. Um, You don't care about the thing that almost killed you, according to you? uh, Like, I actually tried to look it up a while ago, and I couldn't find anything, because, I mean, good luck, there's so many flights. And, like, this was not something that ended in catastrophe, so it's pretty much impossible to figure out what happened at that point. And, like, at that time, I did not think to ask anybody because I was freaked the fuck out and I just wanted to get out of the airport and go home. Does this have anything so, to do with your fascination with the air traffic control recordings? Uh, a little bit, because I, I think kind of, like, after that point is where I started to get really obsessed with, like, plane disasters and crashes and stuff like that. And that definitely was born out of that. Okay. Just like, oh, it would be interesting to hear about, like, how this stuff is handled from like a professional standpoint, like as it's happening, like how they're communicating with each other, stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's it. somewhat connected, I guess. Anyway, Duppy is on the phone on a plane. Yeah, uh, he's having a conversation about uh, Chocolata and Seco, and we get it back. Ah, uh, yeah, we. I fucking am so into Chocolata's design. Yeah, I love it. He looks, uh, he kind of looks Rohan-like, in fact. Oh, man. Yeah, like he's the like white, a... white coat on. thing that he's got on. Oh, he's like an interesting Rohan. <laughs> impossible. He's, he he's impossible. Rohan if Rohan was a character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy looks like a complete creep. And, uh, we find out very qu- quickly he definitely is. Uh... Chocolata, uh, his main ho- hobby is Chocolat. Uh, watching people die. Yeah. So he started uh, his career working at a nursing home where he would just give whatever concoction of drugs he thought was a hoot at the time to old people and then tell them their family doesn't love them. Yeah. You know, drive so old people like... to suicide. The usual. Yeah. I like how uh, Diavolo's explaining, like, yeah, there's, like, an abnormally high amount of suicides at this nursing home. <laughs> um, and so, like, uh, he thinks that is just super rad. And so he's like, oh, man, how could I see more dead bodies? How could I, like, watch people die? I know. I'll become a doctor. Mm-hmm. 
So he does, uh, then starts doing, uh, basically, like, he diagnoses people improperly, says that they need, like, emergency surgery, performs uh, unnecessary surgery on them, and then makes it so they wake up from the anesthetic while he's just, like, juggling around their intestines. Yep. (sighs) Which, fuck. This guy's not great. No. There's a reason the boss doesn't like him. Yeah, Diavolo is in the right on this one. Diavolo says that he is, quote, the worst piece of shit on the face of the planet. Yeah. And he kept his mom locked up under the floorboards, so you know he means it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Which, by the way, we still not come back to. We don't. We still don't know what's up with that, and we never will. Nope, probably not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Seko is actually a former patient. Of Chocolatas, uh, who I guess he just took a liking to at some point. They really bonded when he was feeling up his small intestines, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's kind of weird that he survived. Uh, Seko just waking up seeing that and going like, Aw, neat! (laughs) (laughs) Got a camera? I like what this guy's into. Yeah. I don't know, man. You meet your soulmate in very strange ways sometimes. That's right. It's one of the Ben Fold songs about basically this. <laughs> uh, maybe they were the lucky ones. Yep. Hey. Uh, so, uh, yes, we, we've now got their backstories and we firmly established that these two are among the biggest pieces of shit that we have in any part of JoJo's. Mm-hmm. Uh up there with Dio making people eat their babies and turning people into weird cat things. I thought you were going to say the guy that turns people into babies. Oh, uh, no, he's actually the worst. Yeah, see? He's actually the worst one. Uh, so, uh, the gang arrives in Rome. Uh, they get off the boat, but they notice that there's a whole bunch of drunk people hanging around, and for whatever reason, they want to wait until all the drunks leave. Uh, there's a couple of really awesome drunks. One of them's like, I don't know what he's, like, humping. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it was, like, a, a mailbox, and then it turns out, nope, that's on the other side of the wall yeah. that the other guy starts peeing in. <laughs> Yeah, because the dude humping this weird object is just, like, talking about he, how he's going to do it. He's really going to do it. He's going to use the bathroom on this thing. And then the other dude's like, that's not a toilet. This is a toilet. And yep. it starts taking a whiz into a mailbox. Yep. This whole bit goes on for too long, but, like, also just the right amount. Yeah. I love these guys. I, I want these <laughs> guys too. to be recurring characters. The bulk and skull of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so the dude who just took a piss in the mailbox is like pulling his friend away, but notices his friend suddenly has only half a body. Yeah. And so he freaks out and just jumps over this, like, the, the banister and uh, shatters when he hits the ground. Uh, yeah. And both of them, they're like, they're fizzing. Uh, at their extremities uh, with this green goop that's bubbling up. And uh, Mista and Narancia were outside of the turtle. Everybody else is inside of it. Uh, they see this happening. 
Uh, Guido goes for his gun, and then he starts bubbling up from uh, sores that are opening up on his hand. And Rancia freaks out and tries jumping in the boat, and then like a bunch of uh, sores open up on him, and he starts bubbling up. And so do the people inside Coco Jumbo. So while this is going on, Chocolata and Seko are there, and they are filming this. Uh, Chocolata is like, you only got one job, you motherfucker. You better make sure the battery on that thing does not run out. <laughs> yes, he was very angry about previous times when apparently the recording just cut off. I love these two, and I also hate them. Um, so they actually kind of figure out what the deal with uh, his stand, Green Day, or as it's called in this, Green Tea. I like that. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Look, as far as things right. go, especially in this part so far, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Uh... I mean, it's got not, not a damn thing to do with it. It just sounds close enough, but yeah. it's all right. Um, well, you, know, yeah, they, you could also say the sort of the virus stuff on them that looks a little bit like green tea, kind of. Uh, sure. I don't know. Yeah. It's something. A very frothy green tea. Sure. Because that's how you want your green tea served to you with a thick layer of head. Yes, definitely. Boba green yeah. tea. Slurp it down. It'll cure you of, uh, I don't know, poison that a monster put in the ocean. It'll fix what ails you. Yeah, we'll get there, by the way. Yeah. Um, Cube whale! Cube whale! Cube whale! Cube whale! Anyway, <laughs> next. The crew of the Enterprise, you see, they go back into San Francisco in the past to find the cube whale. So oh. Go back to the future. Well, it's not the Enterprise seeing Deep Space Nine. No, oh, I know. I'm talking talking the only Star Trek that matters, which is specifically just the journey home. Not not any of the other movies, just that one. I don't know what you're talking about. There are no movies. Hmm. I mean, it's weird how... So there are movies, but I just find it very weird how they start with two. Yeah. Yeah. What happens in two? Uh, that's Wrath of Khan. Oh. Why, why is Khan so mad? I don't know. They, they put him on a planet. He got buried alive or something. I'm just messing with you. I know. I've seen it, obviously. Benedict Cumberbatch but... was Khan, right? Yeah. Yeah. He put right. the he put the bugs from animorphs into uh into the Russian kids' ears. Sure. Have you ever seen the original Rafikon or no? Hell no. What kind of it's idiot actually, question is that? It's actually really good. <laughs> it is it is actually really good. I've seen the first Star Whatever. Trek movie. That's really fucking terrible. Uh but Star Trek 2 is alright. What does God need with a starship? <laughs> it's from the first one, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. It's got, like, V'ger. Sounds a lot like vagina. <laughs> okay. V'ger? V'ger, yes. That is the, uh... the. It's like this female character that she's sort of... She's basically like the space baby. Look, this... 
whoever made that movie watched 2001 a space odyssey and were like well that's what a star trek movie should be like and then star wars came out and but didn't that movie come out after no star one wars? it did yeah but the thing that they decided to based look star wars came out right big fucking deal star wars Star Trek is like, okay, we're going to do a movie too, but what if we make it more like 2001 A Space Odyssey and it put audiences' brains to fucking sleep? Star Wars, so, maybe you've heard of it. Kind yeah. of a big deal. Just a little bit. Han Solo, Princess Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, Luke Captain Squawker. Kirk? Nobody yeah, so at Star Trek 2, they... uh kind of realize what their fucking mistake was i saw um a thing recently because somebody on the internet was super pedantic about this i know you never would have guessed that especially from somebody who likes star trek but hmm. uh i'm I sure i believe yeah i'd mentioned how the in the original series kirk is wearing yellow right yeah and yeah. of course you have the whole thing with the red shirts and they want they die easily and everything but then in Next Generation in Deep Space Nine, the people in command are wearing red or like maroon, really. And then mm. like the just sort of the regular dopes around are wearing yellow. And so oh, didn't Picard wear red? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the Next Generation, it, it, it's kind of a maroon, oh, okay. I think. But nah, all right. I was wondering if they had switched those specifically to get rid of the whole like, ah, red shirts always die quick thing because i i bet that was the thing even back then but apparently there, yeah, no, there was no, no real reason for it because they uh they wore red in the movies but that was a result of like they had to just like i don't remember what it was but it, it was something about dyeing the costumes and red was like the only color that came out right and so that's what they went with someone watched them all together and they're just like well shit yeah so the thing that somebody was pedantic about was that Kirk's costume in the original series was actually like this weird pea green. And it only looked yellow on TV. But hey, guess what? That means it's yellow. He's wearing yellow. Yeah. Because if you looked at movies that were shot in black and white, and you like saw what they actually looked like in color, it was weird. You wouldn't want that. So they made hey, this look, color man. specifically so it would look in, yellow on TV. You idiot. You in dumbass. The J. J. Why are you sending movie, me messages about this? And that's Why would anybody do that? I don't so... care. I don't care. I don't care. Anyway, what? Uh, it's yellow in the J.J. J. Abrams movie, and that's the current continuity, so suck it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's basing uh, on the original series because you know, it is current, yeah. so sure. Yeah. Also, like... So those colors denote their role on the ship, right? Like, if I remember yeah. right, it's like red is the security team, blue is, like, medical science team, yep. and then yellow Yellow's... is, like, engineering. Yellow's command. Command, okay. Because Re- Re- red is, like, engineering because Scotty wore red, didn't he? Yeah, I thought... Like, but I, I think felt red like the is reason kind of just, the... like, whatever, really. Maybe. Like, the the way that it was always explained to me was the reason the red shirts die so much is they're the security team, so they're the ones that stick their heads out first. Right. Uh, I know so I they played fight it. about 30 minutes of Star Trek Online, 
and that has you pick between same like, com- <laughs> command science and security i think and that was how it color-coded those uh, so, no, all right well hey close enough yeah uh, yeah anyway super sentai <laughs> Oh, we're, we're done, done with the first bit, right? It was all talking about Star Trek. <laughs> no, we didn't quite get to the end where they figure out what the deal is with Green Day. <laughs> yeah, so what this green stuff is, and you want to guess it by looking at it. Hey, Turns shout, out, it's shout mold. out to Stephanie Jessup because she's going to end up listening to this whole thing because she's the one who uh, got me starting to watch Star Trek, so it's her fault. Thanks, Just, Stephanie. Yeah. Thanks. Now I get to hear all about Star Trek, which is exactly how I wanted to spend my 31st year of life. <laughs> Happy birthday. Fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> Turns out the green stuff is mold. Yeah, basically. That's not how mold works. Mold doesn't fizz. Mm. It doesn't snap, crackle, and pop out of your bones. Look, you haven't seen some of the mold that I've got sitting around here after I leave a class of milk sitting out for a few days oh come on buddy homemade gogurt oh. <laughs> no that's definitely it's definitely gurt <laughs> yep that's the purest if you're going to refer to anything as, as gurt it's a glass of milk you left sitting on your windowsill for a week mm, just take a nice slurp of that gurt reynolds oh. <laughs> all natural <laughs> This happened to me within the last year that I had a gallon of milk in the fridge that actually started to get mold and chunky. And, like, the reason it did was because it hit this point where I knew it was bad and I was afraid to take it out. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like, if I take that out and something sloshes in there, I'm going to vom, and I don't want that. (laughs) I eventually took it out and was just, like, holding it as far away from myself as I can without looking at it. One of my favorite jokes in... a bitch. Futurama where is the part where the lady like opens the locker and is like, Fry, why is there yogurt in this cap? And he's like, Well, there's an easy explanation for that. It used to be milk, and well, time makes fools of us all. <laughs> ah, Futurama used to be good. Yeah, it did. It came back. And boy. Yeah. So, uh, basically the way this works is like that uh, fungus that grows out of certain insects where it just, like, pops out of their skull and just, like, oh, it's so gross. Mm -hmm. Real-life thing that's just horrifying. Uh, The thing that I did not know about it, and I don't know if perhaps it's made up for this, I don't think it is, I'm pretty sure Rocky read this somewhere, is that the... Basically, the the mold grows the further down a creature travels. I don't think this is right. Yes. it seems so specific that he must have seen something about this. Yeah, so this this ties the mold's growth, uh, excuse me, uh, specifically to elevation, which I'm pretty sure is not how this works. I think what probably happens is this mold controls the insect and wants to just send it down to lower elevations. I don't think that has anything to do with its rate of growth, so much as it's just something the bug does because its mind is zombified. Right. Or Which actually would be would... more horrifying is if this mold then began to have an effect on their brains. Yeah, it also could be that they like head down because that might, like, it might be able to find more re- more desirable conditions for the fungus's growth. 
maybe? Like, yeah, get somewhere like, where it's damp? Be wetter. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I know that th- there's that mold that will, like, make... Um... I don't know if it's a mold or if it's just a different parasite, but it may, it makes like uh, the bug kind of climb up to like be on the tip of a blade of grass or something. So mm-hmm. it'll then get eaten by like a bird. Yeah, that's which like is a... where the next stage of its life cycle begins. That's I think parasite. that's just like a parasite. Yeah, and it's a worm. Sure. Uh, which we we get those out here too. I'm pretty sure you get them everywhere. But like sometimes you'll see a spider uh, curled up on the pavement and there's just a bunch of black wormy things coming out of it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Nature's great. Nope. <laughs> I thought you loved it. I can't wait for 2050 when nature finally kills us all. Great. Uh so I don't know. It, it kind of seems to me like Rocky is maybe misinterpreting the way that this thing that he is kind of likening to a real life mold works. Maybe this is an actual thing that I've just not heard of and it sounds similar to other things. The thing that kind of bothers me about it and that I'm hoping we actually get more of in the following couple episodes is this mold maybe actually operating like some of these parasitic molds that you do find in bugs. Because that shit gets legitimately horrible. Yeah. I, there's also a possibility that back then That was how they believed this Thing worked I Yes know. in the primitive age of The 1990s Yeah well you know Yeah Look they had hit clips Sure They didn't know how mold works They could barely figure their way around an mp3 Exactly <laughs> That scene from Zoolander Where they're just bashing the uh the Macintosh around. Right. The files are in the computer. Yeah, that's how Hiroko Rocky wrote bar five. That was just footage from his study. <sighs> anyway. They yeah. figure it out. So uh yeah, they, they start heading up to higher ground and that is where the episode ends. Uh and then Chocolata and Seko they kind of notice that they've they've figured things out. Because uh, there is this really great bit where um, Narancia's on the boat and he's trying to get Narancia to come off of it. Uh, Mista is. And Narancia's body starts sort of falling apart like his fingers crack off. And he drops the turtle and then Mista's just like, yes, right there. That's the perfect spot. Yes. And then shoots the boat and makes it explode. Well, he shoots past the boat so then Sex Pistols can kick the bullets into the boat and then it explodes yeah. and they say, yeehaw! And then the the explosion propels Narancia and the turtle to safety. Yep. Good plan. <laughs> Just carries them through the air like a gentle breeze. Did we ever mention the... Narancia's the... fingers fell off because he was trying to throw a turtle. How does this not shatter all of his body? Did we ever mention the end of the phone bid on the plane, by the way? Oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> he hands... He finishes up with the plane phone and he hangs it up and it's a little Fisher Price phone. That's right. He's like, he hands it to the girl next to him and it's like, sorry, I didn't, I hope I wasn't using it too long. <laughs> and then she just looks at him all funny and picks the phone up and then goes, Moshi Moshi? <laughs> yeah. It's a good gag. It's just started making me think of like he hangs the phone up and it's a Sports Illustrated football phone and he turns and he hands it over to Garth. 
so we're done with Jojo. Now on to Roulette. Down in a trap game, I've been losing at Roulette. Cards are bound to break me, but I ain't busted yet. Cause I've been called a natural lover by that lady over there. Honey, I'm just a natural gambler, but I try to do my share. Yeah, what? Let's animal hide and seek. Okay, how do we do this? Well, uh, viewers, uh, listeners at home can play along too at the end of this podcast. Uh, there will be four different colored boxes up on your screen, your computer screen. This There's some code in this podcast, just don't worry about it. And just hit the D button to select the box with the animal in it. Hit the D. Yeah. Just tap the D. What does this I actually, mean, by the way? I don't know. I meant to look this up, and I actually forgot to do it. I'm guessing there's, like, a D button on the remote that does something? I don't know if it's that or if it's supposed to be, like, a companion app or something. I... You look it up. You're you're the one that has the fancy, like, push-to-talk thing. I don't want to clickety-clack <laughs> on here to look up what the D is. All right. Just open up Alta Vista and type in what is the D. I'm sure that'll bring it right up. Hmm. I searched a TV D remote and there's how to use a television remote in Japan from citycost.com. See that? I did think like it's got to be something like on the actual remote. There is a D button here. What the hell? Oh no. I wonder if it's, like, just this weird, like, this started getting me thinking, like, okay, is there just a component of Japanese TV where certain programs have, like, an interactive element to it? And it's just, like, if you have a particular TV service, it's just on your remote, and then you can interact with your shows. Because they mentioned stuff like you could win prizes for figuring out the box with the animal in it. I mean, I know um, with the satellite TV I have, there will be things that will come up that's like press the red button to see, I don't know, scoreboards for whatever. Um, so it must be kind of like that. There's yeah, also a BS button, which I assume would bring up Penn and Teller's bullshit whenever <laughs> you press it. Uh, CS, which must be customer support. Uh, and there's also an A. So... <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm extremely curious now about how Japanese television remotes work because this whole like D button thing just kind of got my mind going. Uh, by the way, not even close to the craziest thing in this like 25 minutes of Japanese television. No, definitely not. This is just how it opens, but it's worth mentioning because the payoff for it at the end of the episode <laughs> is extremely good. Yes, it is. Also, I just like that everyone's doing this, like, kind of coordinated hand motions while they're talking about hitting the D button on your remote. And then you get, like, a shot of these toys that look like you'd find them in a Happy Meal. Yep. It's, like, just the different parts, basically, like, the Megazord that they have later on. Yep. 
And I thought that these were just, like, these are toys that you could go buy, or, like, you go get a Subway kid's meal, and, like, one of these toys are inside of it. Uh, turns out they are actually, like, props in the episode, too. Like, yes. the end of the episode is basically just all the characters playing with the merchandise. Uh, I bet you can buy them, though. Like, those look no, like production saying. model things that you could buy. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely can buy those. I bet you can uh, buy whatever that weirdo thing is Red Ranger is crapping around with for most of the episode, too. The, like, box oh, thing. Yeah. That just, like, has a sticker of a whale on one side that he, like, gives a little pat at one point. Good whale. Good whale. Thanks, whale. Cube whale! Cube whale! Yo, Cube whale! What up, Cube whale? <laughs> Uh, so we get a little bit of recap uh, for the previous episode, which is that one of the monsters, uh, you remembered the name of the monster group, right? Because I forgot. Death Galians. Death Galians, yes. Uh, one of them just poisoned the ocean, you know, yeah. as a Death Galian do. Yeah. Dump, they keep uh, saying dumped poison. <laughs> it's really like the idea of it just appearing in the spacecraft that just has a huge bucket full of poison on the bottom of it and just sort of tilts it over. It's like a Dr. Robotnik machine, like the one that has the uh the ball with spikes on it that swings back and forth except it's a bucket. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Just poison the ocean, Power Rangers. What are you gonna do about that? Bye, okay. suckers. <laughs> Uh, also, like, two of the rangers actually get sick from the poison, and it doesn't really elaborate how, and I'm just imagining that they just, like, drink the water and went, yeah, that's poison. Probably. Don't worry, we figured it out, everybody, it's poison. Or actually, like, it would be the, the blue ranger who would, or no, who was, like, the the white ranger. No, it was the blue ranger. I think it was the blue ranger is the one who gets poisoned. Like, I think she would do that, but then we, we find out that this other dude is, like, very eager to, like, fit into the group. So I could, like, see him totally just being like, oh, no, let me help, and then just, like, dumping tons of poison into his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, it kind of doesn't matter because they recover pretty quickly from it. Yeah, yeah, this has, like, zero consequence. Uh, but as all this is going on, basically, they're out here in the ocean looking for the cube whale. Cube whale! And the cube whale attacks everybody and just flies away. Yep. Bye, cube whale. Cube whale is not bound by earthly physics. A uh, cube whale, by the way, looks like some sort of robot made in Minecraft. Everything in this looks like robots made in Minecraft. Yes. Uh, so I'm not quite totally sure what the gimmick here is. We talked about last week how basically in Super Sentai, prehistoric themes is sort of your fallback thing. This is definitely prehistoric. We can right. tell because everyone has some sort of prehistoric creature silk screened onto their outfit. And that's the worst part. Like, okay, so you have the helmets, which do resemble, like, here, here's a shark, here's yeah. an eagle, here's uh, an elephant, whatever. But yeah, instead of just a, sort of a pattern on their chest, it's like, here's a lion. Yep. Just a face of an animal. Uh, those helmets, by the way, you can kind of tell that they spend a lot of money on those because they look pretty good. Yeah. I like the shark one. 
I actually sort of dig the whole White Rangers look, except for obviously the silk screen, like tiger on it. it just right. looks dumb. Yeah, like so. crocodile. Yeah, but so then I don't know how cubes fit into it because it's like this very sort of pixelated look that they're going for everything else. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just like random ideas. I guess it's just like ah, Minecraft's real hot right now, so we're gonna do this. Yeah, there's a whole pixely thing. They're going to fight Pac-Man in one episode, and Adam Sandler shows up, and he's the Black Ranger. And it's a <laughs> I wonder it's when. A whole I'm going to look and see when this came out because I bet it's going to be like at the height of Minecraft mania. I, but then, like, was Minecraft even big in Japan? Like, I, oh Japan's yeah, Japan's got deep buttons in on their remotes. Like, I don't understand what's even happening over there anymore. Oh wow, that this aired in 2016. So, little past. Uh, then I have no idea what is going on with the theming in this at all. Um, but yeah, so the the group uh, they they live in like a treehouse. Uh, I actually don't think we even see civilization at all in this entire episode. So I don't know if it exists. No, we definitely uh, do not. So th- that is actually what is weird to me about this next bit is we we get sort of like okay in Power Rangers you had it was Zordon and Alpha Five right? They, right they weren't Rangers but they were in they were in on it they they were your mission command yes. in uh, in Lupin Ranger uh, we had the uh, black guy the I don't know if he was the chief of police or something or what his exact role was but he was there uh, and we had the police robot. And then Alpha that shit five. that like flew around a bunch. Yeah, and the yeah the little bat banana or whatever. Yeah, bat banana. Bat carrot. Uh, in this we have a elderly gentleman uh, who is dressed in a smock, <laughs> um, yeah. with a large wooden whale hat, with a fiberglass lamp sticking out of the top of the of the blowhole. As you do. And he comes dancing on in. <laughs> He's a showman. What do you He's expect? going like, oh my, what's up, everybody? Did you find that cube whale you were looking for? Cube whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the dude is the dude is laying down sick, is just like cube whale. <laughs> cube whale. <laughs> yeah, as we find out in the preview for next episode, which I know you watched because you took a screenshot of the guy <laughs> with his face blown <laughs> out. Yeah, he looks like that bit of Dragon Ball Evolution when Goku gets hit yes. by the Kamehameha at the very start of it. Yes. Uh, but as we see in the preview for next episode, that guy oh. has a bunch of costumes, so he's just always switching that up, just being a real goofball. He's fantastic. I love him. I wish he were in more of this episode. Yeah. Here's my problem with this. At first, it seems like he is in on it. There is no civilization. He is hanging out in the, in the, in the treehouse. And he's dressed up in a whale theme. So yes. he knows that they're going after the cubo. But then everyone's just like, oh, they've been poisoned. And then someone's just like, don't fucking mention the poison. <laughs> just, they, 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 ate, they ate something bad, man. Just shut up. And so like, they, they changed their story to like hide this from this guy. So I don't know if he actually is in on it. Maybe they just didn't want him to worry. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I did not notice this at all. I was not really paying attention to this particular element. 
I don't know how he could not, because when this dude showed up on the screen, I was intensely paying attention to well, exactly. it. Exactly. I was looking at him. I was not paying attention to like oh. what they were saying or anything. Yeah, so one of the one of the girls jumps up, the white ranger jumps up, and she's just like, Jellyfish, we think they were stung by a jellyfish. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, and, yes, I remember this. Yeah, and then and then one of the other rangers walks in the room and he's just like, Yo, everyone, I fixed up that antidote for the poison. Oh yeah. The lion also, guy. it smells horrible. Because mm-hmm. uh, our our whale grandpa, uh, he gets a whiff of it, and instead of questioning anything further, he basically just uh, retreats into the background, and we never see him again for the rest of the episode. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yes, it it is a bummer. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to make noise because I need to uh, move my keyboard. Exciting. Stuff. Sorry about that. Well, I don't want to keep clicking uh, my mouse into the mic to start and stop this episode, and the space key uh, is probably quiet. Okay. I need to move it around so I could so I could get to it. Uh, but yeah, so they they, they drink this weird uh, green antidote stuff that apparently tastes horrible and smells horrible, and uh, I think all we get for like the the clubhouse because then we, I think we get the opening credits after that, don't we? <laughs> Rolling to the opening credits. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I gotta catch up with the episode here. Or no, we we get the, the bit of him uh sort of the Red Ranger is out on patrol and he's looking for He's looking for what? The cube whale. Cube yeah. whale. Cube whale. Yeah, cube uh whale. every Sentai uh opening credits is a mess so far. <laughs> It's yeah. great. So I wanted to like catch up in this because uh, this thing is insane. The Red Ranger has wings and he's flying through just a cube world. Sure. And also like all of the rangers in this are momentarily animals, like people just in like fur suits. Yeah. And then they transform into like normal people. Yep. I don't understand what the deal with this is because we never see this actually happen in the episode. So I wonder if that's maybe some other power they have because we see Red get, like, gorilla power or something later on. So, I don't know. Uh, but we do we do get a, a clip of um, of the uh, the whale grandpa in this, and uh, there's, like, a there's a moment where I swear to God he looks like Japanese Brian Cranston. <laughs> and I started to, like, really want him to come back. Uh, the names on here, I, I don't know which one is the actor's name and which one is the character's name, but for him, it is uh, Mori Mario. Oh, great. I, which I think is the character name, and then I think the actor name is Terajima uh, Susumu. Okay. Uh, but he's extremely charming, and I want to look up other stuff that he has been in. I, I really hope it is just a whole mess of Super Sentai stuff. Uh, Mario Mori is the character's name. Uh, okay. Yes, actor Susumu Terajima. Oh mm. boy! Just saw something you would be very interested in. Hold on a second. <laughs> Link me this in private, I guess. There, I there's a the screenshot set. here of him <laughs> handing bananas to the gorilla man. So the gorilla <laughs> that exists within the show, I can. Okay. Here's I'm the picture. So far. I just sent this. <laughs> no, that's just a Planet of the Apes costume. Exactly. And the oh my god, 
the caption is Mario offers bananas to Larry. <laughs> I don't appreciate this. I do. I love it. I think we just found the best Super Sentai show that's ever been made. Also, this was their fucking fallback shit. Lupin Ranger. Fuck that. That did terrible. This thing I just linked to you, this is his Zyogur form. He is the human oh my Zyogur. God. He takes the form of a human. <laughs> it's just a human's face silkscreened onto a pink ranger outfit. That's right. And his mask just has a normal dude's face printed on it under the visor. Uh-huh. This show is very good. <laughs> Cube whale. <laughs> Cube whale. <laughs> oh my god. I need to check in on Super Sentai YouTube because if those motherfuckers do not like this show. <laughs> they don't have any joy anymore. They don't understand what real people want. Not a single one of their goddamn brains work if they do not enjoy this show. <laughs> this in this intro has like a lot of just the singers screaming like English, English like shark rule, <laughs> elephantu. Oh man, here's the best part though: the Zio human form that he takes. It's not even an actual power. I just notice he is called Zio human in parentheses self-proclaimed. <laughs> <laughs> He just shows up. Not even past the opening. He's just like Hercule or something in this show. That's great. Oh man! Yeah, that's right, Um, brother. I saved the world from Cell. That's this. (laughs) Uh, so we then get another reminder to to hit the D button. Um, hit that D. Yeah, and we get the uh, episode title, The Giant Beast Rises. Uh, we catch up with the Giant Beast Hunters. They're led by Vinny Caravella uh, <laughs> and his henchmen, Alex Navarro, Dan Reichert, and Abby Russell. That's right. G-Beast. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, we get, we get our uh, villainous team, which, like, okay, we get, like, silk screening and stuff on the shirts, and, like, it's not not very good and like there's this like a lot of pixelated stuff for like the uh megazords and i think that doesn't look great either like you want to talk about how like the weapons and lupon ranger look like toys they aggressively look like toys in this one the things that they use to transform are just rubik's cubes yep i love that no i'm not saying i dislike it yeah i'm not saying i dislike it just like that's the the visual design in the show so far has seemed very um Toyetic. Even, even even more, yeah, even more toy-like than Lupin mm-hmm. Ranger. The designs of the villain characters are, to contrast that, really intricate and really, really cool. Yeah. The uh, the one dude, the, what is it, like, Bang Ren or something, the purple guy, he, <laughs> he, who looks like a... That's a name. Yeah, it's Bang something. Uh, yeah, he, I think it is Bang, Bang Ray. Like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He looks like a, like a Final Fantasy boss or something. Yes, he does. These all kind of look like Final Fantasy bosses. Yeah, um, yeah. These these look like villains that came out of a different Super Sentai show. Yeah, 
These costumes were just sitting around from a different idea they had, and they were like, "Ah, oh, we're not going in that direction. We need to. We need to go back to the prehistoric stuff." No, nah, no. Name this character Bang Ray. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> Bang Ray. That doesn't work the same as Whale Cube. Cube Whale. Cube Whale. Cube Whale. Uh, yeah, so the, the main the main villain, uh, he has a gift for Naria, uh, who is the sole female member of this villainous group, uh, who just looks at this box with this thing inside of it, this, this sort of football-shaped thing, and just says, Gift! <laughs> yes. So here I was thinking that Gift this, could be this the is equivalent. Gift! <laughs> I was thinking it would be the equivalent of those, uh, like, Lupin collection pieces and the other one where it's like yeah. oh th- these are the things that like give them powers but turns out no gift is like specifically this robot yeah uh by the way robot looks awesome yeah it's a really sick looking robot mm-hmm. um so uh elsewhere the red ranger has found cube oil cube oil and he informs uh the rest of the party uh where it's at but unfortunately the blue ranger and the uh brown silver and gold ranger yeah white ranger no not white ranger because there's actually a white ranger is the thing oh right there's a blue ranger there's a green ranger white ranger yeah uh because the ones that that go and leave to take care of this thing and leave the two uh poisoned rangers behind are the white green and uh yellow i want to say Okay. Well, and then the Red Ranger is there, and it's the Blue Ranger is is the female one, and then we get this dude who is just uh, he, he sucks so much, and like his whole character is he's this huge tryhard, and nobody likes him. Yeah, it's the elephant guy. Yeah, and I don't know what color he represents because it's like split into threes. He's he's the Neapolitan Ranger. No, the the split in colors isn't the guy that wants to fit in. That's no, that is. That's the guy is. who wants to fit in. Because uh... his weapon is the fishing pole, which he uses to snag that that dude from the Red Ranger. Right. It's in the in the credits. He's got the fishing pole. Okay. And then he also says that like he's the elephant, and it's got the elephant silk screen on. Yeah, but that's a different. The elephant's different guy. No, that's the same yes. guy. It's the yes, same it is because he goes like no, it isn't. and he makes the elephant noise. Yeah, it's the same kid. It's no, the one who's moping no, about like you guys green. are my first friends. That no, yes. the elephant's not the green one. Yes, it is. I'm I'm watching this right now to figure this. Out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. So I don't know. The point is this kid sucks though like nobody likes him yeah and like i'm not entirely sure why they don't sort of explain it other than just like generally speaking he just kind of is a bummer okay look i'm looking green is tusk green is zeo elephant uh the three one is zeo the world oh it's a word oh oh god that's right uh and yeah, because I remember them going Zoworldo and like me having a moment of like That's right. Did I just hear that right? So apparently his deal is that he has three forms. He has rhino, wolf, and crocodile form. And crocodile's what he uses in this. 
Oh, that's just selfish. That's not elephant. Told you. Okay, fine. I still think that's... Look, Power Rangers can only be primary colors, all right? Can't have three colors. You can't be the world. Okay. Doesn't count. Not into it. It's the one thing of this episode I'm not into is that they didn't just, like, pick a color and commit to it. There's no Black Ranger. Could have been the Black Ranger. Yeah, could. There's the Pink Ranger. We know that now. It's the human one. (laughs) That's right. Turns out the monkey was the most human of us all. Uh. Uh, but so yeah, we get two of the villains. Uh, they're meeting up in the forest, and um, I guess one of them is basically responsible for the cube whale uh, disappearing, and the other one's out there, and he wants to get the cube whale back. Uh, and the Red Ranger, meanwhile, is trying to befriend the cube whale, who folds itself up and makes like a water uh, shield around it. Yeah. You have sent me a message. I sent you. Oh a... no! That, that's right. This gorilla has found the tesseract, so we gotta look out before it gets the rest of the infinity gems. Oh shit! I don't even know how to describe that one. You're just gonna have to put that in the description for this episode. It's a guy in a gorilla it's costume a holding a cube. He's it's just guy in a gorilla costume holding a cube, looking very I satisfied. Really like it. That's just the whole description for this episode. Standard delivers just that one picture. I wish you no could contact. images, or just that and just cube whale and that's it. Cube whale. Cube whale. Well, like imagine uh, any... like the the dude with the whale head coming up to this gorilla and being like, "Did you do it? <laughs> yes. What did it cost? Everything. Bananas." <laughs> Ooh, banana. Uh, anyway, there's this. this. The cube whale folds up and just covers himself with this shroud of water, and the Red Ranger just looks at it and dejected says, I've been shut out. Oh, man. Cube whale won't talk to me. I can't commune with the cube whale. I'm not good enough for the cube whale. Hey, look, man, the, the mana whale... From Secret of Mana, ain't got nothing on the cube whale. Definitely. That whale that you uh, get stuck in in, um, what's it, like Kiwi Story or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Got got nothing on the cube whale. Uh, The the fish from Link's uh, Awakening? Oh, Got nothing on. on the cube whale? Definitely not. No. Get out of town. That fish sucks. It slept all day. It didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Cube whale, though. Cube whale will fuck you up one day and then save you the next. Hey, cube whale, though. Cube whale is mysterious. Cube whale, though. Yeah. That yeah. cube whale. Cube whale's got the curves. Ninety, Lots of 90 degree angles on that cube whale. That's right. I love a thick cube whale. <sighs> Oh, I'd love to cut myself on one of the cube whale's sharp corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, this is... We go back and we get a flashback of um the Green Ranger, the elephant guy, and like he's just like stroking a, like, a stuffed elephant that he has. Sure. This dude sucks. Yeah, he really does. But also, like, I'm just now noticing this in their little, like, clubhouse thing. Uh, they just have, like, a framed photo of a bald eagle sitting over the fireplace. 
Sure, why wouldn't you? I don't know who came up with the set design for this. The same person, I presumably, who was also just like, what if instead of a circular table, it was just a plank, like planks of wood, so they also just looked like pixels? I mean, this but set design, it. it looks like something from Zabumafu or something. Yes, exactly. There's also like a poster hanging up on the wall, by the way, of two monkeys hugging each other. That's nice. It is. It's adorable. Um, anyway, the, the, the green uh, ranger and the blue ranger, a uh, green ranger distinctly, not the world, um, as I once thought, uh-huh. uh, they're, they're better now. They, they stand up, they fist pump, they have their little like, oh, we can go save the day moment. Um, but the green ranger's like so into it that the blue ranger just kind of like rolls her eyes and goes like, ah. Yeah, we, we, we get it. You, nobody likes you. You don't got any friends. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're back here to uh, Red Ranger's communing, com- communing with the cube whale once more, and he has this like uh, th- this big thing that you mentioned that has like um, it's like a box with like a big red handle on it, and it on the side of it has like just the sticker of a whale. Yep, and it kind of like turns inside out, like the flaps on the side, like move in and out and whatever, and not sure exactly how it works because apparently is also like yeah, a control either. mechanism for the cube whale. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Naria shows up and she's got basically uh, this show's equivalent of the putty men. Um, now wait a minute, like I'm noticing now, too, the the green, green, yellow, and white ranger are there. So yes, the suck ass guy is the world. Then why does he so. have an elephant that he strokes? I'm so confused. I really hate the world. I like the world in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but the world in this is awful. Yeah, I don't like... It's hurting my brain. Whoever that guy was. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Green Ranger, though. No, I I mean, they... We, I'll know shortly, because they show up like in, in another scene to say the Red Ranger. But, so Nario shows up. She's got her putty men with her. Uh, I really like that these guys just sort of like vibrate onto the screen, like just jerking their heads around because uh-huh. like i remember the putty men also moved very erratically and that's not something like i don't think we got to see like the grunts in lupon ranger no i don't think so either it was just that lion dude yeah so so i'm glad that we we i'm glad that sort of the grunts in this are still just super weird Yes. Like that's a the thing a holdover from Power Rangers and I'm really glad is is also there. very disposable because they are walking with her in the forest and one immediately gets murked. Like just from off screen the Rangers just shoot him a bunch until he explodes. Yeah. And Naria just like dives off to the side and lets him take the shots. Yeah. Uh I like too, by the way, how the uh like the overlay explosions that they put in this are of a very poor quality. So like, there's a few points of this where the explosion happens very close to the screen and there is like a lot of artifacting. Yep. Uh, But this sort of happens with that too. Like it's just a very low quality explosion that takes place and it's, it's great. There are some instances Um, of like actual sparks though, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, there's some uh, practical effects going on in this, which is definitely welcome. And we um, get an uh, actual dude in a suit Zord action. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no CGI on that stuff, which is really good. There's uh, some CGI there on bit. Cube Whale, but, I mean, look. There was a little bit you of CGI can... in the, the suit uh, 
the the robot because there's a part yeah. where it's like stomping around in the background like towards them uh from ground level and that was cgi but oh, okay yeah well uh so red wrenchers starting to like kind of crack the code here with cube oil and Whoa. uh realizes that basically there was a red ranger in the past who was like best friends with the cube whale and so he's starting to like figure out like oh th- you know i gotta earn this guy's trust i can't just like show up and be like yo cube whale and be friends with the cube whale i gotta like i gotta get to know the cube whale yeah you know there's more to the cube whale than cube whale you feeling me definitely feeling this mm-hmm Anyway, a weird blue octopus man just walks out of the bushes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm also here for the Q-Wile. Yeah, that's that's old Bang Ray. <laughs> I love Bang Ray. He's uh, cool. So Bang Ray uh, tries to attack the Q-Wile, and uh, the Red Ranger quickly transforms. We don't even get a transforma- transformation sequence for him. Uh, but he has Ivy's Whip Sword from Soul Calibur, yes. and I love it. Yes, I, I'm glad you said that, which, I mean, I guess you would have to, because who else has a weapon like that? It's obvious, yeah. trademark Ivy. Uh, yeah. 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 Also suddenly bit... has Ivy's trademark big butt. I don't know what's up <laughs> with that, but... He, I thought he did get a bit of a transformation sequence, though. You definitely see him, like, whip it around, and he gets, like, a little... Screen. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I say that as in, like, usually with this sort of thing, you get a much more extended transformation sequence. This seems more like since time is very much of the essence, they can't pace it that way. So his transformation is much, much quicker. Right. They're, they're short on time because they spend all that time with the elephant guy whining. Yeah. Which, by the way, I am, I am up to that now, uh, kind of going through this episode, scrubbing through it whiny elephant guy is the one with the fishing pole he pulls bang ray away with the lady who is the blue ranger and then they transform into the blue ranger and the world so he is not the green ranger then why does he make all right i don't know (laughs) he sucks so much yeah also the red ranger has a gun it just has like two fucking Rubik's cubes mounted on it. Yeah, that's where it gets its ammo. From. Uh, but yeah, so he he does. Uh, they do their whole like wild instincts awake thing, and and specifically uh, the lame guy. He does the crocodile thing, but the, that is definitely who he is. Um, okay. Yeah, I I don't understand. None of this really makes any sense to me. I'm just along for the ride. Uh, but anyway, we, we then start to get into our giant robot fight. Uh, Naria summons up her machine using her gift. The transformation, by the way, is fucking terrible. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure quite how to describe it. Just like a lot of 2D art sort of unfolding from this box. And then it just sort of glows until it's just a dude in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it kind looks... of terrible I can get behind. Yes, it is. It is a guest editor DJ Doug Pound moment, and I'm into <laughs> yes. it. Like this, is something where it would stop glowing, and then Hannibal Burris is there. Yeah, they farmed that section out to William Street. They they took mm-hmm. care of it from there. Oh, but yeah, so the the design of this robot is really cool, and then we start to get this um, 
basically a fight sequence between the giant robot and all of the other uh, rangers other than the Red Ranger who is still trying to communicate with the cube oil and get it on their side. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I want to say that like the fight is mostly like uneven and the Rangers are the ones that are kind of getting pushed back for a while. Like Naria is... She's definitely in a, a much more powerful mech. Like this is a pretty good gift or whatever she got. Uh, also, while all this is going on, the the main villain is just like sipping a glass of red wine. Yes. Watching this whole thing take place, and I love it. Yes. And then, actually, mm-hmm. so before we we get the bit where they start fighting, um, the Red Ranger, you have to understand, he's only at fifty percent of his maximum power right now. That's right. He hasn't shown his full potential. Just, <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to even begin with this. He has a transformation uh, that that basically makes him swole. That's right. He, he looks like a '90s stuffed Hulk Hogan toy. Yep. I while <laughs> watching this, I just kept thinking, I need to make a version of that meme with Vince McMahon looking at things. But it's just like first regular Red Ranger, second bird form Red Ranger, and then the third where Vince like falls backwards is this weird gorilla man. It's so so bad. This is so obviously just a because like the muscles are just so bulbous and round that they look yeah. completely cartoonish, and he just like he gets sausage fingers. Yep, just thick Jack Link's fingers. Yeah, uh, and apparently this is supposed to be gorilla power, so... Okay. Gorillas are not built like this! (laughs) Hey, I don't know what gorillas you've been looking at, but it seems accurate Uh, to me. Well, anyway. (laughs) I've seen Congo. So Final Form Frieza is fighting Bang Ray, and yep. the Rangers are fighting Naria in their, their mechs. They're giant robos, actually, yeah. as they outright call them, uh, yeah, which Red, I was not expecting. Red Ranger uh, reached 100% full power. That's right. Uh, Bang Ray, though, unfortunately has not gone Super Saiyan, so this does not go well for him at all. No. Uh, actually, that's, that's not quite true. Uh, Bang Ray is able to mostly hold his own against him, and so the Red Ranger, uh, as Bang Ray starts to try to attack uh, the Cube Whale, uh, he turns into his bird form and starts like deflecting all these blasts. And Red that's Ray. what that's what makes the Cube Whale sort of go like, "Oh, he's one of the good guys." I am pretty sure we still have not said Cube Whale as many times as they say it in the show. No, absolutely not. They say it like five million times. The first time you wrote me Cube Whale on Discord I knew it was the first time you had heard it spoken And I was already just like man Yeah Don't even know It's just like we gotta Um, get the Cube Whale We need to find the Cube Whale Where's the Cube Whale I found the Cube Whale Thanks Cube Whale Anytime Anytime the Cube Whale is not on screen Everyone should be asking Where's Cube Whale it's the board meeting for this? Yeah. 
Look, if the cube whale is not on the screen, then the kids are asking, where is the cube whale? That's what I just said, yes. Need more screen time for the cube whale. The cube whale is radical. It's got attitude. I got this bag full of cube whale toys. They aren't going to sell themselves. You got to put the cube whale on the screen. I have to go now. My planet needs me. Cube whale died on the way back to its home planet. The executive just pulls out a cube whale toy and just like holds it up to his face and moves it around like it's a puppy dog. I mean, that happens at the end. An actor yeah, does that. Oh, I know. Yep, that's what he gets paid to do, man. It's a nice gig. We all got, we all got a job. <laughs> we all show up to work just like everybody else, one leg at a time. <laughs> yep, that's the expression. Anyway, I really want to get to this bit because I had to like pause the episode when I saw it because I couldn't stop laughing. Uh-huh. Um, which is the Red Ranger protects the cube whale, and we get like a zoom on the cube whale's eye, and it almost looks like the eye is like glimmering, mm-hmm. like the cube whale had an epiphany. And then we just we just get dude in a in a whale costume. Yes. Who turns halfway, like, profile over to the camera, just gives a solemn nod. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Red Ranger now has the whale blessing. (laughs) The whale gods have smiled upon the Red Ranger. (laughs) And now he gets whale power. Yeah, that's right. Uh, He transforms uh, again, so in addition to having uh, gorilla power, bird power, now he's got whale power. He also has this uh, huge pixelated trident thing. Well, it's more like a fishing spear, actually, instead of a trident. Yeah. Uh, He he twirls it around a bunch uh, and then shoots Bang Ray with it, and Bang Ray blasts off like Team Rocket. Mm -hmm. Also, he does a lot of weird twirls with it. Oh yeah, and it's just shooting uh, these like wave effects out of it. Yeah, he's he's just hot dogging with this spear. <laughs> That's right. He's just flipping it around like one of those uh, one of those dudes advertising a car wash. That's right. Uh, and so he throws it up um, into the air, and it gets giant. And then we get transformation sequence with the cube whale, and we get uh, look whoever did the subtitles for this did a great job. <laughs> That's right. Because we just get this uh, unique font for the cube whale that pops up and like spins on the screen. There are just a lot of unique fonts. Whale and... like, when uh, the the world turns into crocodile, like his little thing pops up. It says like "whoa" and like spins around to say "crocodile." <laughs> I love it. All the kids on the playground are saying, whoa, crocodile. I mean, did you see the credits list for the people that did the subs for this? Like 20 people. Oh, man. No, it's really good. Yeah. Shout out to whoever it is that did the subtitles for this. The beautiful maniacs who found a font, who did the work, either searching for or creating a font that just that that fit and captured the essence of the cube whale. That's right. It's a very important that was thing. Some, that was someone's job. That was their task. You're the cube whale font guy. Get on it. Yep. Anyway, uh, anyway yeah. Yeah, yes. Um, 
he jumps inside the cube oil, uh, which turns into its own unique uh, mecha. I think and like he... it merged with the other one, didn't it? Uh, he's like the sole pilot of it. I think it's. Uh, I'm trying to like get through it right now, but I'm pretty they, sure he's the only one. They say something like, oh, "Why you think you're gonna take me on now? That you have a new form." But yeah, maybe it is just the whale. Yeah, I mean he sideswipes Naria with the tail. That's yeah, brutal. Uh, yeah, no, I'm watching through this, and um, oh, that's right. He also <laughs> the cube has a pump action. Uh, by yes. the way, which yes. I forgot about. Pump the cube. Pump that cube. Uh, yeah, you know, he turns into, um, I'm trying to see the name here. It's uh, Dodekai O, which is Giant King. Uh, so he doesn't mm. fuse with the other ones. He just, okay. the cube whale turns into that. Because like the, the rest of the dudes, they're not in the mech anymore. They're they're back on ground. Right. I guess they just dispelled theirs or something. Yeah. And, like, while this is going on, the villains, like, most of them are going, like, I didn't know it could do that. This is horrible. And the main villain just, like, sort of leans to the side and takes a sip of his wine. Because mm-hmm. he's the best. All according to plan. Yeah, Guinness is cool. All according to Kekaku. <laughs> yes. What does Kekaku mean? Kekai, uh, well, it means plan. Uh, oh. the, you know this if you're paying attention to the subtitles. Uh, it was displayed on screen with 15 asterisks and accompanied by 12 explosions. Oh, great. Yep. <laughs> Look, I want to find out what box that animal was in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they, the cube whale uh, saves the day. They blow up Naria. Uh, well, she beams out of there, but like her mecha blows up. And uh, we then go back to the clubhouse um, <laughs> after the Red Ranger has stroked his sticker of a whale. And find out that, like, all those toys we saw very early on in the episode are, like, strewn out on the ground, and they're sort of wiggling, and I guess they're sort of sentient, and they're, like, welcoming the cube whale back into their group. Welcome the cube whale. Yes, everyone's chanting, welcome cube whale. Everyone's standing in a circle holding hands, chanting. Cube whale, cube whale, cube whale, cube whale, whale. yeah. Mario just walks back into the room. <laughs> he just is like, just waving. oh, those kids. No, he's getting in on it. He's like doing a waving motion with his hand, just chanting cube, whale, cube, whale. <laughs> Circles around the entire group. He's the only one saying it out of sequence. One more Mario. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so yeah, also they think that these weird cube toys are cute and that they're like pets and like the cube whale is jumping up on people's faces and like licking them. And it's so weird. Yeah. Because also there's this one point where the world guy picks up the cube whale and it's very obviously like all CGI. <laughs> he's trying. <laughs> oh, he's acting his ass off, man. Yeah. Motherfucker. You know, I was it's saying, just it's just floating there, superimposed. Like in, in general, I think a big part of it is like this is basically the same show as the Power Rangers versions in the US, but like the really bad acting and like overacting and stuff is it turns from something that would be obnoxious in English to something that is endearing. Yes. 
yeah, there there's definitely something about this that I mean, this character sucks. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the actor's fault. I am. No, I'm actually oh. not. I'm sure he's fine. I mean, he's got some really good dance moves. Yeah. Because, uh, by the way, the credits for the show is everybody dancing in a massive group. Uh-huh. While, bo- while multicolored boxes just sort of, like, dance from side to side in all corners of the screen. This is where you got to hit the D button, by the way. Yeah. Because that was the end of the episode. Now now you have to hit yeah. the D button. Tell us, try to figure out which of these boxes the animal's in. Yeah. By by the way, during the dancing sequence in the end credits, like, there are portions of this where the Red Ranger is just hella buff and he's just yep. dancing. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know I wanted that in my life, but goddamn, <laughs> am I glad I got it. So, your choices of boxes for you playing at home are red, blue, yellow, and green. What box do you think the animal's in? Larry, what box do you think the animal's in? Oh, probably green? You stupid motherfucker. What? Green's my favorite color. Who did we follow? Who did we follow through this entire episode? Who is the main character? Oh, gold. Crocodile. The Red Ranger. It's red. It's red. It's oh, the red box. Oh, okay. What's in Indiana? the red box? <laughs> alpaca! <laughs> of course it was an alpaca. What else would it be? <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it just plays a video of an alpaca chewing on grass. <laughs> just the stock footage of an alpaca that they found. <laughs> Just like a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood segment of like here's a picture of an alpaca. Yeah, Mr. Robert Mr. Rogers visited the alpaca farm and they got some B-roll of it. Yep. Just going to waste. But it's like an actual like physical, like they pull this red box onto the screen and they pop the top off and then an alpaca just flies at <laughs> Yeah, they shot a thing of the actors like here's the red box. This was the answer. <laughs> Uh, let's oh find out what we're God. watching next week <laughs> I hope another episode of this No, this has to go off We can only do one per roulette now Oh no One <laughs> They just would have fucking opened up And it was Alpaca <laughs> I'm sorry You've mentioned this to me while I was watching it. You're like, I don't want to spoil what the reveal is at the end, but I was laughing at it. I thought, I don't know what would be funny about it. <laughs> you get that video of an alpaca. Uh, <laughs> we got ten. What's ten? <laughs> oh. Ten is Common Rider Ghost. Which, by Hell the way, yes. was mentioned at the beginning of this episode episode actually i guess they had like a crossover or something oh my god what if we got the crossover episode oh oh please anime would... roulette <laughs> i wonder if that would be on here though or if that's like a special though anime roulette has done us so good but it has done us so dirty and if it could give us anything back it better be the crossover episode well look so far tokusatsu roulette has been very kind to us uh, oh I, yes I, I no, put... 
like Coupon Ranger, which by uh, by the accounts of people who are obsessed with Super Sentai is a bad show, mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, I put Kamen Rider Ghost on here because I recognized the guy in the picture from the PS4 game I have. I was like, oh, it's that guy, the orange one. I didn't know hmm. that it was like, I guess, concurrent with Zyogre. But, all right. I didn't know either. Let's find out. There are tw- uh, 50 episodes, so we'll start at 25. 25 to 50. 34. Uh, I can take a look real quick. Yeah, I'm I'm curious what the uh what the name is at the very least. I forgot to mute that. Oh, hold on, there's Windows noises that's gonna come up whenever this decides to load. Uh I do think I am gonna try to look up sort of like what what is the sense of uh what's the, the reception so far on Zyoger because I really do I wonder I don't know. I wonder. I I need to know what people who are like extremely into Super Sentai think about this show because I I don't, I don't I care it. what they think. Honestly. I I need to know. Like I I thought Lupin Ranger was so good. I thought that this is even better. Like if this is by all accounts bad Super Sentai, then like what's the good shit? Uh, like what's the stuff that makes these people just fucking crazy for it? Okay, Common Rider Ghost, episode 34, is called Wander, the Dream World. Uh, and the thumbnail for it is just a bunch of people sleeping on the floor. So... Yes. <laughs> I don't... That better be the whole episode. Is it just gonna be them, like, in a dreamland? Like, they gotta fight really somebody in is. their dreams? They gotta, they gotta I... evil Freddy... A Sentai Freddy Krueger? Oh, man. Imagine how much bad CGI we've gotten over the two Super Sentai shows we've seen so far. If they're just in a whole CGI world? Oh. Could you Could you just Could you just imagine? Yeah. Yeah. This sounds okay. very promising. I'm I'm looking forward to this. It does. Unfortunately, the, this is one of the uh thumbnails that does not have like a costume dude in it. And I hope we aren't just like missing out on costume action. Oh man, episode twenty-four is the crossover one, so we <gasps> didn't even have an option for it because there's a thumbnail of some dude with the Red Ranger. Larry, I think we make an exec an executive decision in this case. <laughs> no. What if? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that we throw out the the one that we got. We got the one that we got. We got to watch that episode. What if? We we just we treat ourselves a little bit. We just go ahead and we watch that episode too. We could. I say we do that. I, I say that book that says we can't. No, I say we watch the one that we got in the roulette first. That needs to be our. <laughs> okay. our yeah, it's it's got to be fresh. We we got to obey that rule. Uh, but then afterwards, I almost say when we're done recording. Just so we don't like end up like having any prior knowledge sort of slip in, uh-huh. then we watch another other episode and we just we record and amend them. Okay, and just to add that to the sure. Okay, yeah, this is I think we owe it to ourselves. That's right. Give us give us a little treat. Yeah, we 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 saw we sat through Legend of the Galactic Heroes. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> we are owed back twenty five right. minutes. Okay. 
Oh, all right, then. Uh, next week we'll be back with episode 29 of season 4 and episode 34 of Common Rider Ghost and episode 24 of Common Rider Ghost. We'll see you next time on Stand and Deliver! I'm not going to do Cube a second take of that. Cube Whale! 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 Cube Whale!